right, well, let's pray. Lord, our gracious and holy God, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for the salvation that we enjoy in Christ, and the Spirit who indwells us, is working to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus. And through our union with him, we enjoy fellowship with you, Father. And we ask that as we continue our time together, looking at the Ten Commandments, that uh, we'd be reminded of the great love that you have for us. As we look at these things, we would see your grace behind your, your law, that you care enough for your, your creation, your creatures, that you would tell us the best way to live. And, and even as we'll see tonight, the third commandment, that, that you are a holy God who, who alone is worthy of all glory. So we ask that we would have a fruitful time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing our move through the Ten Commandments. We've made it to the Third Commandment, so we're, uh, I think, moving relatively at a, uh, a nice walking pace, but Lord willing, we'll, we'll be able to keep it and, and maintain, perhaps get a little bit of a acceleration there. But it's been, uh, providentially, a couple weeks since uh, we've been in a one of our commandments. We did look at uh, kind of a sidestep application specific for the second commandment last time we were together. So just a quick review, bring everything back to mind. Uh, as we looked at the introduction of the Ten Commandments, uh, the big idea we have is everyone, especially Christians, should study the Ten Commandments because they're God's law. Uh, we ta- looked at the different types of God's law that are in the scriptures. Uh, civil law um, from the Old Covenant the civil law of the nation of Israel, which is fulfilled in Christ, uh, the ceremonial law, um, everything we think of uh, that was happening in Old Covenant worship that was specifically pointing uh, towards Christ, fulfilled in Him, uh, and then the moral law, which never expires. Um, and we are looking at the moral law as it comes to us in the Ten Commandments. And we talked about the three uses of the law, uh, three uses of the law. The first use of the law is to convict us of our sin and drive us to Christ. Uh, the second uh, use of the law is a restraint uh, of evil in society. And the third use of the law uh, reveals what's pleasing to God, how God wants his creatures to live, particularly his people uh, to live. So those are the three uses of the moral law that are still uh, impact us today or important. We can apply uh, to our own lives. Then so we looked at the, the preface of the Ten Commandments, the big idea being obeying the Ten Commandments doesn't earn you salvation. Instead, redemption drives your loving uh, obedience. And we were looking at the reality of, thankfully, how uh, God's law comes out of his first redeeming of his people. Uh, So it wasn't a manual of how the Israelites could earn their salvation, uh, nor is God's law a how-to for us. How do we earn salvation or God's love? Instead, it's uh, the response and how we live out of the fact that we've been redeemed and saved and uh, God loves us. Then we got to move to the first commandment. The big idea there was the uh, first commandment requires you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Uh, the first commandment teaches humanity who they are to worship. Then we went to the second commandment. The big idea was the second commandment requires God to be known and worshiped as he reveals in his word. The uh, second commandment teaches humanity 
how they are to worship. So that kind of refresh our memory, catches back up speed as we get go into the third commandment tonight. So Exodus 20, verse 7. You can also uh, find this in Deuteronomy 5, but we're looking at Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We'll see as we move our way through that there is a lot more to the third commandment than just don't cuss with God's name. And we'll see that. Uh, names names are important things. Uh, growing up, and even today as an adult, strangely, because people sometimes uh, don't have a filter. You know? People sometimes don't do well in communicating with others. But growing up, I had a lot of people that... Uh, would tell me how they felt sorry for me because of my name. And even today, I've even met some pastors that, that uh, make strange comments about my name, uh, which I don't understand. Uh, it's because I'm a third, so I'm John Charles Blevins third. And uh, normally it's stuff like uh, when I was a kid, I'd get made fun of because I was a third and people thought it was weird. And then today, people make comments, oh, that's, that's, that's terrible that you're dad would put that burden upon you and then they find out i named my first son john charles Blevins the fourth and then they think oh you're you're a terrible human you put that burden on your son but i see it the exact opposite way i loved it growing up i I loved having my dad's name and my grandfather's name and um and i appreciate it even now i appreciate having the name because to me it's something to live up to it's uh it's um not to knock on, you know, I have other sons, so not to knock on their names. All of our names have purposes that we've given. Uh, but I wanted to continue that and give my oldest that son. And it was important. That name to my oldest son it was important to me. Um, meant something. And I, I do think that it's a positive thing to live up to, to your name. I mean, in essence, we do that as Christians. I mean, God helps us. By his grace, we live up to our name. Uh, we're able to live up to his name uh, because of Jesus. Well, we've been, uh, I'll read another quote in a moment uh, from this uh, pastor as well. But as I mentioned, I've, along with some of the reading I'm doing, one of the, one of the books I'm reading is uh, Kevin DeYoung's Ten Commandments, which is a, uh, a good, uh, easy read. If you're looking for something to read about the Ten Commandments, that's a good one that you can grab. But DeYoung talking about the Third Commandment, he, he writes this, If you want a simple summary of the Third Commandment, A New Testament exhortation putting in positive language all that is required of us, here it is. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.17 We obey the third commandment by living as Christians, by speaking and doing everything according to the family name. For when we do all that we do, we do it in Christ and through Christ. We show that his is the name we value, the name we love, and the name that is above all names. So our big idea this week for us to think about, hold on to, uh, remember is the third commandment requires you to glorify God through a sincere, faithful, and reverent attitude toward God. So we've looked at um, the first commandment. So the first commandment teaches humanity who they're to worship. The second commandment teaches humanity how they're to worship. The third commandment teaches humanity what attitude they should have towards God. It kind of makes sense as we're working our way through the first table of the law 
and how we interact with God. So third commandment's dealing, um, yes, with actions, but there's a lot going on here with our heart and where our heart is in relationship to the Lord. So we're going to look at what does the third commandment require of you and what does the third commandment forbid of you. As I mentioned, we may be a little shorter this week. If so, then we'll just be able to enjoy our extended Q&A time and prayer time, so it'll be good. Uh, What does the third commandment require of you? As I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, names are important. So I guess we're just beating up on me tonight. So my name, I get, because of my suffix, I've gotten some flack. The other thing that happens to me all the time, and I don't know why, is uh, maybe maybe a third of the people that I interact with, first time, mispronounce my last name. They say Belvins, Belvins. Now, my name is spelled B-L-E-V-I-N-S, but something in their mind must not see Blevins, but see Belvins. So I don't know what it is, but it is consistent. It's not just a one time. And, I mean, I'm not rude about it. I'm kind, but I do correct people. I'm like, it's Blevins, because names are important. And, uh, and I realize that I probably get people's names wrong, too, so hopefully the Whenever I do, they're gracious with me, but I do want to correct it. So, you know, I don't want to call people the wrong name either because names are important. Um, you know, names identify you; they distinguish you from others. Um, you think about last names; our last names distinguish our families. So, you know, for the parents, you have children; they have your last name that distinguishes them. Uh, it's a way. Uh, that they are uh, set aside and understood by others to be uh, in in the family. Um, think about, uh, you know, we're Americans. We're Americans because we're part of the United States of America, but we're citizens. We get that name, American. We're not citizens of the world. We're not Germans. We're not Chinese. I mean, we're Americans. That's, that's who we are. And providentially, we can be thankful for that. Uh, But that's another name that identifies us, distinguishes us from others. So names are important. We see even in the scriptures uh, how names were given for purposes. We see God change people's names because he wants to make a purpose or he's explaining what he's uh, doing with them and and will be doing through them. Uh, I don't know if y'all have noticed this. Maybe it's just me, but like the longer I get to know people, most of the time, I'm like, yeah, that name really fits them. Like, I don't know. It's this weird thing about how names are so connected to us. They, they do, in a sense. Um, uh, I wouldn't say sh- names shape us, but perhaps maybe the name, and it all comes together in a, in a sense that they're a bigger deal than sometimes I think uh, we make. So names. You know, everybody likes to hear their name. Nobody likes to have their, their name uh, ignored or, or misplaced. So names are important. Well, names are important. God's name is important. That kind of ties into what Third Commandment's about, the importance of, of God's name. Um, in Exodus 3, when God reveals himself to Moses, the way that God reveals himself, uh, it, the big part of that is he, he tells Moses what his name is. So he reveals himself through giving his name uh, to Moses. He tells him, that God says that is, his name is I Am. 
God distinguishes himself uh, as sovereign. He distinguishes uh, himself as uh, self-existent, uncreated. He is I am. Um, it, it's, uh, if, you, if you think about it, um, what other name could God have? I mean, if God is God, as we understand God revealed in the scriptures, and then you think logically about who God would have to be to create the universe, have to be outside of this to create time, space, to be the creator of all things, he must be uncreated. So to then respond with, I am that I am, that makes sense. God is just saying, it's like, I be. I mean, there's a lot revealed in just his name right there uh, so that we could understand. And, of course, you move through the scriptures, and, and, and God reveals more of his name, different names for him that uh, reveal other aspects of attributes or his character. And, but originally he reveals himself ultimately as I am uh, Yahweh. As we move our way through the scriptures, you see, and then in our English Bibles, Oftentimes, depending on what translation you are, but oftentimes where Yahweh is there, uh, it is actually Lord, you know, with all the caps. So you can say that that, you can realize when you read that, when you read Lord, that that is uh, the name of God that's being used. Um, that's just the, the English translation's way of putting that forward. And then there's all kind of wonderful, beautiful aspects of cross-references and quoting from New Testament back to the Old Testament, where through Quoting different passages, we see the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man affirmed uh, by God's name being placed upon him. Where the scriptures are saying, rightly so, the name of God is placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So names names are important. So it's not just there in, a, in the beginning of Exodus, but again, um, back to DeYoung. He writes, in Exodus 33, Moses asked God to show him his glory. So at first, in Exodus 3, you have Moses, uh, as he's confronted, God confronts Moses, and God says, I'm going to send you to the people. And Moses' response is, like, well, what do I do when they say, what's God's name? Like, they want to know who you are, so what's your name? And that's when he says, I am that I am. Then later in, in Exodus 33, Moses wants to see the glory of God. So Moses asked God to show him his glory. And in reply, God speaks to him his name. I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. The way to see God's glory is to hear his name, to know the name Yahweh. The merciful and gracious one is not to be merely known Something is not merely to know something about God. It is to know God himself. God shows himself by speaking his name. So hopefully at this point we're, we're trying to think, ooh, names, this is a big deal. God's name is a big deal. Um, I can remember the first time I, as a baby Christian, first time I, I'm really trying to read the Ten Commandments to understand it. And I was like, man... I'm moving through the first three, and I'm, I'm like, God, it's kind of, I mean, are we just saying the same thing over again? And then this third commandment, I don't know. I get it. I should stop cursing. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that and then just move on. But I'm hoping as we're slowing down and spending time in it, we can all see, no, there's, there's so much more here. And particularly the third commandment, just resting in, in the importance of God's name and who 
who he is. I mean, think about um, the Lord's Prayer. We do that every Sunday morning. As we conclude the pastoral prayer, we all pray the Lord's Prayer together. And we hit that first petition in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Just right there, we're not praying and asking God, God, please hallow your name. Uh, God, please, uh, please cause your name to be praised or glorified. Please glorify yourself. Like We're just in that prayer stating a fact. Like Jesus taught his disciples in that prayer, in the beginning of the prayer, it's an adoration and praise of stating the fact that God's name is hallowed. Not that we're asking God to do it. And there is an aspect there that we're asking God to help us better understand what it is uh, to know God's glorious name, to know him, and to be able to praise him better. But it's just stating the fact there again. Uh, the importance of the name of who who God is, you know. And as you read your Bibles, one of the things you can you can look for and, and pick up on is uh, notice how often things talk about God's name. Notice how often God says He's uh, He will do things for His name, for the sake of His name. He'll do things for His people for the sake of His name. Um, God is the only being that exists. That it's totally fine and okay. That, that God is completely straightforward about the reality that he's the most important. You know, the rest of us, if we think we're the most important, we've violated broken commandments, we've got a problem. But it's totally right for the holy creator of all things, who's holding all existence together, to have the realization that, hey, I'm God, and I should be treated like God. It is right, as we read here in the third commandment, uh, that... God's name should not be taken uh, in vain. So we see uh, the commandment uh, makes it clear that God's name is important. We've been looking at that. Uh, there's another aspect too, though, that uh, we don't want to miss. So we talked about the family connection. So you know, we carry the name of our fathers. Um, our families are brought together with a last name. It distinguishes us from other families. And we see the same thing happen when, when God redeems and saves people. When he adopts you as his adopted child, he puts his name upon you. We see that in the scriptures that there's this covenant relationship where God puts his name upon you. Think about uh, even just uh, new covenant baptism. In baptism, what what do we, what happens? We baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just right there, we see that through that sign and seal of the covenant, God's name being placed upon His people. Uh, it, I mean, the only probably the simplest way for us to think about it is that just hey, we are we carry the family name. So there's an aspect that God's name is important. God's put his name upon his people. Um, and there's an aspect of the third commandment where it's important that we remember that as we carry God's name everywhere we go and everything we do, and it's, you know, God obviously knows and sees. It's part of the aspect of the sign seals of the, of the uh, covenant signs, but, but everybody else does too. So like when, you know, folks see me and, if they know my name, oh, okay, he's a Blevins. And then all kind of different thoughts would come there. One, maybe they think, 
ever heard of Blevins. It's a weird name. Or maybe they knew a Blevins at some point. They're like, oh, I wonder if he's like those other Blevins. Is he like a Blevins? Well, it's one of those Christians who carry the name of Christ. Yeah. There's an idea, at least, an expectation uh, that comes along with that, which is right and good. We, we bear the name of our God. He puts his name upon us. Think about that, how we're redeemed, spirit-filled, union with Christ and fellowship with the Father and bear his name, enjoying that covenantal uh, relationship. So, something that we keep in, in our life 24-7, 365, all the time, um, that we are bearing the name of the Lord. So, hopefully, as I hit on some catechism questions here and then we look at them, we can keep the, that in mind, that, that reality of the importance of God's name and the reality that we carry his name. But not just that we carry it, but that he put it on us. Like, it wasn't just that God saved us. We're like, okay, well, these are my, these are the, these are those humans that I have redeemed and they're kind of over there away from me because they're a nuisance. No, he, he adopted us as his children, put his name upon us and as we see in the scriptures, the picture is, you know, brings us to his table that we might live and feast with him. The Holy Spirit indwells us. It's a very intimate covenant relationship. All right, so as we've looked at, we're going to uh, turn to uh, Westminster Larger Catechism and uh, look at question 112. What is required in the third commandment? Third commandment requires that the name of God his titles, attributes, ordinances, the word, sacraments, prayer, oaths, vows, lots, his works, and whatsoever else there is whereby he makes himself known by the holy and reverently used in thought, meditation, word, and writing, by a holy profession, an answerable conversation to the glory of God and the good of ourselves and others. Haggai? Haggai? It is? That's how I would pronounce it, That's yes. That's what I always said. Haggai. Someone challenge you? Debate. No, we just started having, I, I gave the... It could honestly, be wrong, honestly, it could be wrong but I, I'd go with Haggai. Okay. <laughs> Nothing like helping the uh, youth group work out their uh, pronunciations. <laughs> yeah, go right ahead. Go right ahead. So just there, the, the larger catechism question, 112, uh, talking about the things that are... That are required. I mean, there's almost, when you look at it, there's, there's like almost 30 proof texts. Like literally everything in here has got Bible verses that they're directing you to where you see this directly and this, this connection for the third commandment. So uh, it really is, as we look at the Westminster Standards, particularly the catechisms, it really is a summary from the scriptures that we can understand what it is that's particularly being taught here about what's required in the third commandment. And they go throughout the scriptures and pull these things uh, together. But we see this name, the name of God, his titles, his, his attributes, ordinances, the word, you know, the Bible, the sacraments, prayer. And then it just keeps going. All these things, all these things are, are lumped in with, with God's name and, and are not to be treated, as we'll see here in a moment, uh, in vain ways, blasphemous ways. Uh, but, getting back to what we started out with in, in the beginning, but it's something for us to approach um, with faithful and reverent attitudes towards the Lord. 
All right, so what does the, the third commandment forbid of you? So we'll just keep those things in mind as we move forward. What third commandment forbids of you? And as one, one wrote, we violate the third commandment when we take up the name of God in service of, and there's three things here. What is false? So when we take up the name of God in service of things that are false, things that are frivolous, things that are phony. You think about that. Uh, when we bring God's name to bear in that for false things or frivolous things or phony things. Uh, so false things, I mean, that's going to be all across the board. But, but when, you, when you claim, hey, you know, I'm, because God says this or, or this is what God says, but it's false. That's not. That's breaking the third commandment. Um, there's an aspect, particularly for elders, but especially for teaching elders in our denomination, the PCA, that we, at least when I talk to other brothers who are teaching elders, um, we all feel the great weight of every time we preach or teach, are we going to violate the third commandment? Are we going to say, thus says the Lord, but we're not drawing at a scripture. Somehow it became a hobby horse or something that, we, that, that we've twisted in our own mind or we're harder or desire, whatever it may be, but we're teaching false things. I mean, that's one we prayerfully pray for each other. We challenge one another. We don't want that uh, because we realize how serious it is, uh, particularly when you're saying, thus says the Lord. But that would be, that would be false things. Then there's frivolous things. Um, that's like, yo, there are some aspects of Christian culture, like Christian pop culture, that gets, gets to the point where third commandment violations happening and and, and God's not, there's not a reverence and awe and attitude. It becomes uh, almost too jokey. Almost, maybe a better way to say this. If you ever had your children joke with you and it goes over and they're joking with you the way they joke with their friends. And so then it becomes disrespectful. Something that might be okay between two 13-year-olds. But then when they come and do it with you, it's like, I love you, but that's not the kind of joking that we can do together. Um, you know, frivolous things. Then phony, uh, that as well. So phony, you know, faults, uh, I kind of see that as, you know, you could, you could teach the wrong thing. Phony to me is, um, it's like you know, you're trying to use God's name for your own benefit, if that makes sense. Like whether it's perhaps a benefit of making money, or a benefit of furthering yourself, or a benefit of you name it, whatever it may be. But you're phony. It's not. It's not real. You're misusing God's name. Now, I'm going to read the next catechism question. Now, this one has like seventy, almost seventy passages of scripture that are sprinkled throughout this um that gives you an idea it's gonna be a long one but just i'm gonna try to read it slowly so we can see all the places in scripture that that they brought together as what what it is that what sins are forbidden in the third commandment so the sins the sins forbidden in the third commandment are not using god's name as required the abuse of it in an ignorant, vain, irreverent, profane, superstitious, 
or wicked mentioning of otherwise using his titles, attributes, ordinances, or works by blasphemy, perjury, all sinful cursings, oaths, vows, lots, violation of our oaths and vows, if lawful, and fulfilling them if of things unlawful, murmuring and quarreling at, curious, prying into, misapplying of God's decrees and providences, misinterpreting, misapplying, or any way perverting the word or any part of it to profane jests, curious or unprofitable questions, vain janglings. That's a good one. It's like prideful talking, prideful speech. You can tell your kids that when they start boasting in their pride. It's like, stop that vain jangling now. It just I'll, at least would stop them in their tracks, I would think. Like, can you, can you translate? What's vain janglings? Uh, or the maintaining of false doctrines, abusing it, the creatures, or anything contained under the name of God to charms or sinful lusts and practices, the maligning, scorning, reviling, or any wise opposing of God's truth, grace, and ways, making profession of religion and hypocrisy, or for sinister ends, being ashamed of it or ashamed to it by unconformable, unwise, unfruitful, and offensive walking or backsliding from it. So you can kind of see those three categories as we went through. There were some dealing with, with false nature and then things that are frivolous and then things that, that are phony. And perhaps you picked up on this as you're moving your way through, but as I was reading, but another thing that um, as this is pulled together in, in Catechism Question 113, it really points out when you break any of the other Ten Commandments, you're going to, I mean, it's almost impossible not to break the Third Commandment. Um, simply, well, I'd say, yeah, every, any other commandment you break, you break the third commandment also. I mean, the third commandment is one that perhaps some folks think is, oh, that's a simple one. Just don't, you know, don't say God's name when you're cursing, you know, that's it. But hopefully we're starting to see it's much, 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 much more, uh, than that. So we do have the aspect of, you know, not to, um, you know, the vain, uh, vanity, uh, basically meaning like um, don't let God's name have uh, like no weight to it or uh, uh, vanity is like emptiness. You know, God's name is just, uh, it's just something that rolls off the tongue. It's a, it's a filler. It's a, it doesn't mean anything. There's no attitude of love, reverence in your heart when you're speaking of God or his things, uh, his things being um, his word, his attributes, sacraments, things. That's kind of a nondescript way of, of putting that. But So we hit that with the, with the vanity. Of course, there's the, you know, don't be irreverent or profane about God's things. Don't be superstitious. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks that, that carry around different uh, superstitions, even Christians that have, like, superstitions tied into, uh, into things uh, particularly when you interact with, um, I mean, there, there's, there's some folks within, you know, claim the name of Christ in our own area that, that have a lot of superstitions that come with uh, some of their, like, charismatic beliefs. Um, 
A lot of that's tied in with the idea that the Holy Spirit continues to reveal uh, updated, very personal revelation. And then superstition often gets tied in with that. You have a, have a problem uh, there. And of course, you know, the wicked mentioning, there, there is here the, the basic one we've talked about, which was, you know, using God's name as a fill-in for a, for a curse word. Um, that is there. We have blasphemy, um, perjury. And then as you, you kind of move your way through, I thought it was interesting. It talked about how um, vows, it's like goes both directions. So if you take, if you make a vow, but it's a bad vow, like it goes against God's word and you fulfill it, you violate the third commandment. But then if you make a good vow, a biblical vow, and you fail to keep that vow, then it's like, boom, third commandment violation. Like <laughs> vows are serious. Like that's another thing that I don't think people think about. Um, as a, as an elder taking vows, they're on the front of my mind on a regular basis, like the vows that, that I took. And then I think about, because I get, to, uh, I get to administer vows to people when they join the church. So to me, vows are a regular, normal thing, and, and I'm thinking about them. But I will say, outside of perhaps maybe, maybe marriage, I don't, the average person, when they think of vows, uh, they may not even have any connection to, to vows and, and the importance of them and what they mean when you take them. It isn't just something you say. It's not just some little... You know, small promise someone makes that can be, ah, oh, but, you know, particularly think about our, our vows we make of membership. I mean, those are vows, like whenever someone's about to join the church, I make clear to them, you know, hey, you're not taking vows to, to me. You're not taking vows to, to the folks in this room. Like, these are vows you're making to God. So make sure you know what we're do- you're doing here. Let's be sure you understand uh, what it is that you're about to say and make it genuine so that you're not taking a vow and vainly and, you know, taking it to, as we read here and, um, in a hypocritical way because it doesn't really mean anything regarding your beliefs or profession of those beliefs. At the, at the bottom here, there's an aspect where he talks about, um, you know, it's breaking the, the, the third commandment when you're ashamed of God's name, when you're ashamed to be called a Christian, when you're, when you hide it or, um, I, man, I remember years ago I had this job. It was like the first day. And I don't know what happened or why, but one of the people working there somehow figured out I was a Christian. I hadn't said anything. And it was a younger guy, and he was like, are you one of those Jesus freaks? I'd never heard the term Jesus freak. Apparently it's like actual kind of pop culture term. And I didn't... I was like, Jesus free. I was like, I'm a Christian. Is that what you mean? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those Christians. But I remember thinking back on that, like, that was so strange. Like, he just came at me like, you're a Jesus freak. And I thought, like, you know, thank you, Lord, that my, my reaction was to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I mean, I guess if you think I'm a freak, okay. Uh, but, you know, that can be, take it to a, not a less silly situation, a more, you know, intense situation. Claiming the name of Christ can be a much bigger deal. Um, for us, praise God, we don't have to, to face that. But we think of even some of the folks that we pray for, missionaries, uh, church planters around the world. They're in different situations where the name Christ is a much, much uh, 
serious claim, one that they, they make, and we're thankful for that, but one that is much more serious than we get, than we often have to, to face. And then it talks about, you know, the different things that can happen, hypocrisy running through the motions, as it were. Uh, and then there is the, the talk, he hits on the end here, uh, that same carrying, kind of carrying the name of, of Christ. So not only being ashamed of God's name, um, but also the aspect of bringing shame to God's name. Um, as you look at the way they unpack this third commandment, I think uh, it would be safe to say, you know, there's a, it comes across different ways, but one way it's been explained is folks who would say that uh, Jesus is my Savior, but not my Lord. So there's this aspect of uh, I, Jesus saved me, but I'm not ready for, you know, Jesus to, to tell me how to live. And so um, that person just doesn't live any different than the world. They don't seek to love God and to grow in holiness and, and grace. And, uh, and I think that that would be a clear violation of the third commandment to disregard uh, God's law and to just set it aside, but yet still claim the name of Christ, um, perhaps as baby Christian immaturity, you could see that. But, but at the same time, we want to prayerfully uh, move, uh, move beyond that by God's grace. Um, profane jests, you know. I think sometimes I'm, maybe I'm just being too particular there. But you know, I was thinking about some of the like when you go to. A, uh, different stores and it seems like almost you get this feel almost kind of like the temple in the first century where there's just all kind of trinkets and things and God's names placed on it and Bible verses and and then you watch some things that are like Christian comedians or Christian comedies and and it gets I think sometimes even in our own joking we can push a little too much to where we make fun of the things of God, or we, we, we're like so self-deprecating as Christians to ourselves as a community, and sometimes we'll make jokes about our Christians. Um, I think walk the line of pushing these third commandments. Uh, uh, we're not having a uh, you know the attitude in our hearts in, in the best place. Um, it's not one that we would look to our brothers and sisters in Christ and. You know, and love them and want to serve them and, and we're not thinking of uh, the beauty it is to carry the name of, of God and, and the blessings that we get from that and, and we're back to this kind of frivolous and joking about it and it's just not a big deal uh, in fact using it as the butt of a joke and I think we should, we should all be careful of these things I mean these are all one of the things that I've benefited from whenever preparing, preaching, and teaching, but even the Ten Commandments, particularly as I've been looking through them, again, it just is back to three uses of the law. It's like the mirror I keep bidding, bidding, put, getting put up against myself, and and it's caused me to seek to uh, repent for many things. But it's very thorough. I'd encourage you to spend some time in it. Um, Look at uh, what it is here, as we see it in one twelve. It talks about, uh, you know, basically what third commandment requires of you, and then one thirteen, talking about what sins are forbidden. 
uh, in uh, the third commandment uh, that we look at. And there's this aspect here we keep in mind that God takes us, you know, serious, important to him. Uh, the God whom we love, the God who redeemed us, the God who loved us when we did not love him, who's, who has uh, given us life, life abundant, life eternal. He says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So God takes his name real serious. So uh, as his children, may we as, as well. All right, so next week, Lord willing, we'll be going into the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and, and keep it holy as we're moving our, our way through. I'll pray now and then any questions or comments, we can uh, be feel, feel free to give those. Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to come together in the middle of the week. We enjoy our midweek, our meals together, the fellowship uh, with one another, the classes that are happening. We thank you for everyone who volunteers to teach. And, uh, Lord, what a joy it is, even as we've been in here, to, each week to be able to hear uh, the youth and, and, and sometimes even the children. Uh, it's um, what a blessing. Um, we love you, Lord. Uh, we, we desire to to know you better and better. We're thankful that you've placed your name upon us and we ask that you would help us to be those who would, um, by your grace, uh, that we would carry your name well and that as we do, we'd be salt and light everywhere we go. Uh, for we, we desire to see all those we come in contact with, uh, Lord, that they might be able to enjoy redemption, grace, and forgiveness uh, even as we do. So we love you. May your name Uh, Be glorified and lifted up and praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.